Dear brothers and sisters, we continue to celebrate Easter, the fact of the death and resurrection of Christ, that Christ is risen and alive. And these readings that we have in Easter really reflect, help us to reflect, help us to understand the significance of God's love for us. And we continue to do this through the Gospel of St. John. You know, John lived to be an old man. He lived to the end of the first century. And the Gospel was written, Gospel of John was either written uh, at the last decade of the first century or in the first decade of the second century. And you know, it's interesting because history tells us that the people would say to John, tell us what Jesus said, what should we do, what should we do? And over and over again, John would say, love one another. He would repeat that, love one another. And the people would say, why is that the only thing you say? Can you imagine criticizing an apostle? Why is that the only thing you say? And John would say, because that's enough. That's enough. And John's gospel was written much later than the other three gospels. And it's interesting because there are things in John's gospel that aren't in the other gospels. John thought, well, if I'm going to write a gospel, you know, I'll keep to the main things that did happen in Jesus' life, but I'll tell them other things. And in John's Gospel, as well as in his first letter in the New Testament, John really delves into the reality of love. The reality of love. And today in our our Gospel passage, Jesus says, As the Father loves me, and that word is agapeo, from agape. Agapeo. As the Father loves me. This is the the holiest of loves, because in Greek there were different words for love. But in the gospel, if you look at it in the Greek, it says agapeo, the holiest of loves. It means, it preeminently refers to what God prefers in a discriminating affection, which involves a choice and a selection. Think of that. A discriminating affection as God The Father loves me, Jesus is saying, with discriminating affection. Discriminating affection. So I love you. Today it would be good to think about those in our lives, because maybe it's more than one, whenever you saw them, they were delighted. Whenever you saw them, whenever you visited them or came near them or, you know, whatever, encountered them, they had a tremendous smile. They had a tremendous smile. Somebody in your life, my life, for whom one could do no wrong. I have two people I immediately think of in that regard. One was my grandmother, my father's mother, my father's mother. And it made, made my grandfather jealous. You know, and my father, too. One time my father said, in my grandmother's eyes, he can do no wrong. My grandmother's eyes, he could do no wrong. Another was uh, the mother of a friend of mine. Exasperated my friend. Now, I mentioned this before. Because in my friend's eyes, his mother was like Attila the Hun. In fact, he used to call her that to me. You know, referring to his mother, he would always call her Attila. But then, 
with me, she just loved me. And so in exasperation, my friend would say, in my mother's eyes, he can do no wrong. And these weren't naive, naive people. They didn't think I was an angel, right? But they were delighted. And I say this because we have to understand that Jesus says, as the Father loves me with discriminating affection, in which the Father makes a choice, so I love you. Jesus acts the same toward us. We are his choice. His selection. So when Jesus sees us, unless we're in an act that's sinful, you know, or doing something that's wrong, when Jesus gazes at us, the first thing he does, gazes at us, the first thing he does is smile. The first thing he does is smile. He's delighted. And it's also true to think about that God looks down on us because we've been baptized, and we were baptized, what? Into Christ, the Son of God. We're made children of God in and through Jesus Christ. That when God looks down on us, he's delighted. Because in us, and it's a wonder to think about it, he sees his Son. In each one of us, he sees Jesus. And he's delighted. And he's delighted. So Jesus says... As the Father loves me, so I love you. Remain in my love. goes back to what we talked about last week. Meno, to abide, to be with God, to be in his love. Remain in my love. In other words, do what the Lord prefers. Do what the Lord refer, prefers. Act together with Christ. He's always with us. In his spirit. The Holy Spirit. So how are we to do that? Jesus makes it clear. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. So Jesus says, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, which reveals my love for the Father. So here we have it again, my friends. At the center of love, in relationship to God our Father, what gives him delight is our obedience. And this makes sense when we understand that love, really, when we become into a strong relationship of love, there's that exchange, that mutual exchange. There's that giving oneself over for the good of others. That's what love's all about. Giving oneself over for the love of others. It's kind of a surrender in a way. And so the Son obeys the Father. The Son obeys the Father. The content of love is obedience. Jesus would say elsewhere, and I've mentioned this before, that Jesus said quite publicly, he says, you know, I, I, the world must know, this is what he said, the world must know that I love the Father and I do what the Father tells me to do. Simple. That's what Jesus says. And he says this so that his joy may be ours and our joy may be complete. Love, my friends, leads to delight. True love is, there's a delight in love. A movement of the heart, a movement of the spirit. Jesus says, I'm giving you the key to joy. I'm giving you the key to joy. So, and he goes on to say that the pinnacle of love is giving one's life for another, for one's friends. 
No greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And this is for all of us. What is it? That spouses give themselves over to each other. They lay down their lives for each other. I told you this before. That in the wedding rite, we don't have it. We have it in the ordination rite, the rite of profession for religious. We don't have it in the marriage rite. But in the ordination rite, the profession, a woman who professes vows, a man who professes vows, what do they do? They prostrate themselves before the altar. They lay down, as a symbol of they're laying down their lives for God. Religious is for God, for the ordained is for the church. They lay down their lives for the church. I've often thought it would be really important to have the bride and groom prostrate themselves before the altar. That's not likely to happen in our lifetime. For brides in the gown, it's very impractical. But the meaning is the same. No one has greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Parents for children. Parents for children. And why, for example, today, Mother's Day, it's a special day to honor mothers. Why, why do we honor our mothers so much? Because they gave their lives for us. They gave their lives for us. You know, in a real tangible way. In pregnancy and birth, of course, but then beyond that. It's just really a wonder of love. And so we're friends of Christ if we do what he has commanded us. And in doing so, we go and bear fruit, fruit that remains. Fruit that remains above all in the heart of Christ. We make God happy. God delights in us when we do what he tells us to do. And so that's why we have this wonderful echo in the passage we have from John's first letter. Let us love one another because love is of God. And because God loves us, my friends, we have to be sure, we have to know that he gives us the capacity to love. If we come from God who is love, then surely he gives us the capacity to love. And God, we know, is holy. So we can be holy because he made us. God doesn't make anything wrong. He doesn't make any mistakes. No mistakes. So we have the capacity and the ability to love. And we have to show that love to others. That's how we bear fruit. We have to show that love to others. You know, I think of uh, the saints who are all involved in showing Christ's love to others. That's what saints do. In a particular way, since we're talking about love, it's, it's good to recall the life of Mother Teresa. St. Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa said the greatest poverty is to feel unwanted, unloved. And so he made it, she made it her mission, Mother Teresa made it her mission, to show Christ's love to the poorest of the poor, the neediest. The neediest. And she recognized that there's a greater need than material need. There's a spiritual need that's at the center of our lives because we're human beings. Because we're human. We human beings were made for love. St. Peter, in that uh, discourse he gives in um, the Acts of the Apostles when he's at the Gentile home of Cornelius, 
he has a revelation because he sees the Spirit falling on them, even as he's talking with them. The Holy Spirit reveals himself in a very physical, tangible way. So St. Peter is awestruck, and he says, I see that God shows no partiality. Whoever fears him, meaning whoever respects him, is awestruck in the love of God. And that's what we need to cultivate, that being in awe of God's love for us. Whoever acts uprightly, St. Peter said, is, and the Greek word is dektos. Acceptable to him, but really it's dektos. Meaning he's, he's pleasing. He's welcome because he's pleasing. He's a source of delight to God. And that's what we're, we are called to be. Remember, I said, God looks at us when Christ looks at us. The first thing he does is smile. When Mother Teresa went to someone in the street, the first thing she did was smile. When those people I told you in my life, when I would go see them, they would smile. It's a really wonderful thing to be a delight to others. It's a wonderful thing to be a delight to others. Think of how delightful spouses are to one another. Yeah. So all this, my friends, this love that we're talking about, that Christ is talking about, St. John is talking about, all this is embodied in the sacrament of the Eucharist. In the sacrament of the Eucharist, we have this wonderful memorial, this remembrance, where it's more than just the memory, it's actually being present with Jesus and his death and resurrection. That's what it is when we come to Holy Mass. We remember in a special way Jesus' love for us because he died for each one of us. He truly gave his life for his friends. That's us. That we are to be friends of Jesus Christ. We are friends of Jesus Christ. And he reveals his special preference for us in Holy Communion. When we have that beautiful special encounter of Christ in the, in the sacrament, right there and then, Jesus is, is engaged in an act of discriminating affection. And you know who really was bowled over by all this? St. Paul. Every single day, St. Paul was amazed at the love of Christ for him. He couldn't believe it. It was really amazing. Why? Because for all that time before, he was against the Lord Jesus. Jesus gave himself up for me. The least St. Paul considered himself. But in Holy Communion, Jesus comes to us and makes that discriminating, that special preference for you and for me to delight in us. And this is all because he laid down his life for us. He took it up again in the resurrection and he is forever in eternity in heaven. And finally, my friends, this special love for us is a call. It's a call for each one of us to be with him in eternity in heaven. To be captivated, to be captivated in the eternal delight of God, the eternal love of God, should make us hunger for heaven. We should want to go there today. We should want the Lord's return now because of his delight for us, that we are special friends of his by his preference, by his selection, by his eternal love.